who are uh, reading tonight is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Matthew, chapter 18. By getting to read at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not <clears throat> to pay his Lord, commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him, forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, but went and cut patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that, that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. This is part three of Old Testament keys to New Testament parables. And what we have looked at is from 1 Kings chapter 11 and the 1 Kings chapter 12, the kingdom of Israel, the 12 tribes being separated into two kingdoms, 10 tribes in the north, two tribes in the south, the north becomes the house of Israel, they're known as. The south becomes known as the house of Judah. They also come under names like Samaria in prophecy and in history because there's a capital city in the north, which is Samaria, and Jerusalem is then the southern kingdom or the southern capital. Two lines of kings from the northern out of Samaria. The wicked kings, every one of them are wicked. Ahab and Jezebel are the infamous ones, probably the most infamous ones there. And, of course, in the southern kingdom there were many wicked ones, but there were some righteous ones. We looked at that last week as well. We can't go through all of that, but it is online if you want to listen to it. And then we, we looked at how this is a key to open the parables. Two kingdoms. We looked at how there's two sons. We'll maybe get an orby snippet of it tonight. Two sons. There's the two men. One is a rich man and one is Lazarus. And that is to do with this key, the two kingdoms. And we looked at that last week. And we also have two sisters, Ahala and Ahaliba. The Ahala, if you remember, um, is Samaria. And Samaria, uh, uh, or Ahaliba, uh, pardon me, Ahala, um, is, represents the northern kingdom. And that was in the book of Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Well, maybe the We'll maybe use these as snippets tonight if we have the time. And Ahala means she hath her own tent where they worshipped other gods and not the Lord after being married unto the Lord. We're going to show you it all piecing it together tonight. And Ahala was the southern kingdom or Jerusalem. And of course the temple was there. And it means Ahaliba means my tent is in her. 
meaning the tabernacle where he had the sacrifices where his glory would come until, of course, they went the same way and became worse than the northern kingdom. Everyone with me? Okay, so tonight we looked at this parable. We're going to use the key again to open this parable tonight. But before we do, we're going to look at a few other things or maybe we'll look at what people generally look at this parable as. So, for example, Peter, in our opening verse, then Peter came unto him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. So Peter is saying, Lord, if, if my brother or my brethren, one of, the, one of the other Israelites or a Judahite or maybe even get into the Christian era then, if they sin against me, have I to forgive him many times, seven times? And, you know, there is a, a, there is a moral story of this where we are to forgive one another. And that's without doubt. I'm not taking that away from that. But we're going to use the key and open this parable up and you're going to see it's got nothing really to do with that. It's absolutely, uh, I should say, a totally different way to look at it uh, using the key of the two houses. And so the Lord then uh, does teach of forgiveness, but the Lord says in verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, until, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Notice, here we're finding that the subject here is going to turn to prophecy. You may say, well, where's the prophecy in that? So Jesus, you're putting yourself into the time where he is before the Jews. The time scale. Remember Judah, the southern kingdom, the derivative name comes known as Jews from that because of the admixture and become known as Jews. The word here in the Greek is Yohidos or Iodos, and that means Jews. Anyway, he's talking to them, so you're putting that mindset on that he's talking to them about where they are and where Israel, the rest of Israel were. Okay, so when we use the key from 1 Kings 11, 1 Kings 12 of the two houses, we're going to look at this different. Where is the, par- where is the prophecy? It is in what Jesus says, until 70 times 7. Let me show you. First of all, verse 23. He mentions a certain king. Therefore, so now he's bringing this, what he's speaking on, forgiveness, from 7 times, no, till 70 times 7. There's a prophetic era here, and he's bringing it right. And notice what he says about the kingdom. Okay, so it's flowing now right into the kingdom. And notice what he says, verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. Now, a certain king, underline it. Because Jesus speaks of himself in the third person or his deity or his father, as it were, as God in the third person. Notice here, if we were to go to Matthew 21, we're at Matthew 18, go to Matthew 21. And if you just let your eye run right down the chapter to verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man. Notice, it's a certain king. Now it's a certain man. Speaking of God here. A certain man had many sons, two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, the publicans, that the publicans and the harlots Go into the kingdom of God before you. Two sons. Who are the two sons? They're represented as the two kingdoms. The house of Israel have been taken away captive 700 years before. Over 700 years before. They're gone. They're called the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's now speaking to those who are left a remnant only. And even at that, a mixed remnant who are not all Judaites. 
The Pharisees, some of them were Edomites, turned to Judaism. But he's shown here two sons. Now, where's the other son in front of him? And what does he say? There's two sons, and he says, a certain man says to his two sons, go work in my vineyard. One says, I'll go, and he doesn't. And the other one says, I won't, and he does later. And the one who says, I will, I will, and doesn't, he's speaking of the Jews. You're one son, and you're saying, I'll be, I'm God's, and I'm his son. And he's saying, then go do my work. And they're saying, no, we're rejecting you, Jesus. The other ones are the ones whom the gospel goes after, and they become Christian, serving in the kingdom. Hence, we are there. Notice this. Notice again, a certain king. Let's go to Mark chapter 12. Just sticking with this. I want to just emphasize this mark for you. Mark 12, verse 1. And he planted a vineyard unto them by parables. Here we go again. A certain man planted a vineyard. Speaking of God. God's not a man, but here he's likening him. It's a parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged it, a place for the wine fat and built the tower and let it out the husbandman and went into a far country. And who's he speaking of here? Speaking of the Lord who brought Israel into Canaan land, who has put a hedge around him of protection and his hand over them. And he's built, uh, the temple has been built and the house of, royal house of David was there. And now he's gone into a far country. And at the season he went in, the, he, he sent to the husbandman a servant that he might receive from the husbandman of the fruit of the vineyard. His service, the, he's looking for those who are serving him, worshipping him. And they caught him, that is, his husbandman caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent unto them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again he sent another, and him they killed him with many and many others, beating some and killing some. Having it therefore one son, his well beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir, come let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. What happened? They crucified the Savior outside the city walls. And what happened after that? Forty years of testing. The temple was still in operation and it was torn down in AD 70. So now here we have is a, a certain man again. So you see how he's speaking of God when he's speaking. There are other times in Scripture now in different reference where he would say a certain man was going to Jericho and all that sort of thing. But in reference to himself. Let's look at another one or two. Uh, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Verse 6. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this tree and find none. Cut it down while it cometh at the ground. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So now he's teaching this in the synagogue about a fig tree. Do you not think that the Jews knew who he was speaking about? He was talking about them. The, figs, the fig tree was a symbol of Jewry, J-E-W-R-Y, or uh, some think it was of the whole house of Judah, but even the religion, the fig tree was a symbol. Remember Jesus got in that week, cursed the fig tree, and the fig tree withered up. Do you remember that? That was a symbol or a sign that, that he was finished with them. And then he says, the kingdom of God, to the Jewish leaders, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. It isn't an ethnos, a church, it's the word, or pardon me, it isn't ecclesia, the church, it's ethnos, a same people. 
people coming from you. And who was it? The other kingdom, the other son, the other ones who were away. Can you see the difference in it now? Who were not there at the time. Okay, let's look at one more. Um, Luke chapter 14. And let's go down. Let your eye run down to verse 15. And when one of them had sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he said unto him, A certain man, here's it again, a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. He had the best excuse of the whole lot, didn't he? <laughs> so that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then his master, the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the mean, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Here he's speaking again to the Jews. And Jesus says, Go not by the way of the Gentiles, but rather go ye unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They went then further into the highways and the byways, that is, from land to land, from nation to nation, seeking out lost sheep. People were hearing of the, of the grace of God found in Christ and the great sacrifice and the blood of the Lamb. They're coming to faith in Christ. So can you see it all coming together, a certain man? They're seeking fruit on it. That's parable. He says, these three years I'll come seeking fruit on it, says the certain man, or that is the Father, God the Father. These three years I've come seeking fruit on it. Tear it up, why cumbereth it the ground? He was speaking of the Jews. He says, tear it up. As Jesus is saying that, he's speaking of himself. He says, Lord, the, 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 the man of the vineyard, he says, Lord, let it alone this year also. And if it bear fruit, well, good. And if not, then you can tear it up. So he's in three years. The father says, I've been looking for fruit for three years. Jesus was ministering for three years. And he says, give it one more year. But in the midst of that year, three and a half years, he was cut off. Can you see the coming together now? So Jesus died in the midst after three and a half years ministry. He was cut off. The parable comes true because then the father has the temple torn out and the Jews taken away. So you can see how it all works and fits together. Okay. So here in in Matthew 18, if you want to go back to it. Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. So here God is going to take account. Okay? God is going to take account. Now when we read this parable at the beginning, you see there's two servants that are mentioned. The main uh, participants of the story or of the parable. That's what we need to look at then. Uh, you know, we had two sons. We spoke of two daughters. The two kingdoms or the two houses become known as two houses or two nations. They become known as two uh, sticks all through the scripture. And they can only become one in Christ. The only way they can become one is in Christ. So notice this. So we have the servants here are the two houses. Israel are in the north. Judah or the Jews in the south. That's your key to open this parable. First Kings chapter 11, First Kings chapter 12. That's the key. So we bring it over and let's open up the New Testament parable. Okay, so the bad servant, the one who's forgiven, cries unto his Lord and he's forgiven. And then he goes out and he grabs the other one by the throat. We're going to look at this uh, bad servant. That is the southern kingdom of Judah. He owes 10,000 talents. In other words, he owes so much, he can't pay it himself. And he knows he can't pay it. 
And so what happens? Let's look at it. Verse 24. And when he begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which showed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to, to pay, his Lord commanded, and children, notice, is him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So everything about this man was going to be destroyed. Now you have to put the mindset on here of Jesus speaking to these people, who they are, when it is, way back then. Jesus is looking further back into history because they'll understand exactly what he's speaking about. What happened was, after the house of Israel were taken away captive by the Assyrians, 700s BC, back and forward they came and took them away, the house of Judah stayed. And then they became corrupt. And they were taken away. Remember, that's who he's talking to here. They were taken away into Babylon. What happened? He was sold into slavery. Judah, the the kingdom, the people, sold into slavery. Their wives and their children and all that they had were taken by the Babylonians. And so they cry unto God. Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion and all of those things. We hear of Daniel and we looked at the 70 years uh, uh, prophecy that the Lord would release them again coming true. We've looked at that. Coming to pass, and Daniel's praying it in the beginning of Daniel chapter 9. He's reading the books of Jeremiah. The Lord said before they went in, you'll be here for 70 years. Trust me here, and I'll bring you out. And many didn't. Many stayed there, and many intermingled, and many many, uh, lived there and came out at a later date, some of them. And so that 70 years passed. They were crying unto the Lord. The bad servant that is in in our parable, He cried out and he was released from his debt. He was allowed to return to Jerusalem. And he was allowed to start rebuilding the temple and the walls of Jerusalem again. Can you see it all coming where Jesus is speaking of this? So it's all taken away. Notice what it says in in our reading. Verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. So the Lord... um, the Lord actually through the prophet Isaiah says, I will move upon a ravenous bird to release the people. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, the ravenous bird was Cyrus, the king. And so he moves upon Cyrus in Babylon, the king. And Cyrus writes a decree that they could go back to Jerusalem. They had been forgiven, as it were, the debt. God was giving them another chance, in other words. So now Jesus is speaking this and they understand exactly what what he's saying. Now here's the thing. In Daniel chapter 9, there's what's known as the the 70 70 weeks of years prophecy. Okay? 70 weeks of years prophecy. Now the Jesus, it is in what's known as futurism. People look and they say right up to Jesus is the four is is uh, the sixty nine weeks, and the seventieth week is taken and cut off and thrown away into the distance, and it hasn't happened yet. And there'll be an antichrist will come and set up a covenant with the Jews, and he'll break it in the midst of the week, and and uh, the, the, he'll sit in the temple and all this sort of stuff. I don't believe that one bit. The 70th week already happened when Jesus died. He finished a lot of it. Why? Because Jesus is saying that the four, the, the, the 70 times 7 is how much? 490. Does nobody say it? Now look, watch. So here, coming out of Babylon, they're saying that the 70th week, so 70 times 7 is 490. So really the 490th year, they're saying, is, isn't happened yet. Do you get where I'm coming from? Can you see that? Seven sevens are 49. And multiplied by 10 is 490. So the thing is then, what happens is there's the, the, the futurist says, by the way, futurism, the, the very, when you get right down to the bottom of it, do you know who formulated it? Jesuit priests. A Jesuit priest called Lacuntha, one called Ribera. 
And then there's others called uh, uh, Alpazar and Bellarmine, and they, they brought different theories of that. And they brought it in, and, and Lakutha actually wrote a doctrine or a book, if I can remember the title of it, The Coming of the, of the Lord in Power and Glory, I think, if I remember the, the full title of it. And he wrote it as a Jew, pretending to be a Jew, and he was a Jesuit priest. And he, he submits it to Rome, and Rome says, that's a Jewish book, we don't want it. And they cast it out. And what happens? Well, the Protestants, they think, well, it must be a good book. If they don't want it, let's look at it. And he wrote it under a name, a pseudonym called Rabbi Ben Ezra. Pretend he was a Jewish rabbi. And he was all, all the while a Roman Catholic priest. Uh, a Jesuit priest. It was taken up by John Nelson Darby. He was a, an Anglican, and then he formed the, the, what's known as the Brethren propagated there by the Schofield Reference Bible. And they got the guy and they propagated it and went right through. You know what it did? It took the reformers' eyes off of the Protestant Reformation. It took the reformers' eyes off the papacy as Antichrist and put it on some future Antichrist to come. And now you're getting the ecumenical movement. All these years has taken... And the ecumenical movement saying, no, they're just a wee bit different than us, but they're still Christian. They're just a wee bit different than us, but they're all right. And that's where it's come. They're ecumenizing us all together. Took the reformers' eyes off the papacy. And that's what's happened. And it's rife. It's, it's the biggest. Uh, it was spread by you know, the, the books that were brought out, left behind, and all those sort of things. I have books in the house. I can lend you if you want to. You can read it. And it's called, I Want to Be Left Behind. You know why? You know why? Because I'm getting off topic here. I'll do this in order. Tell you why. When the ark went up and the ark came down, who was left behind then? Noah and his family. The wicked are going to be bonded up and taken off the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. That's another teaching all that for another time. Make some hurt there. So, 490 years were fulfilled when Christ died. Jesus says you'll be forgiven for 70 times 7, which is the 490, speaking of them coming from Babylon to his death. You know what he's saying? It's my blood. It's my sacrifice. It's the cross that I die on. It's that or nothing else. That's what he's saying here. Remember, in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is reading the books, and he's reading the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33 says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. And in the same chapter, reading that book, he gets the vision of the 49 weeks. Well, the 70 weeks of years, as it's known. The 490 weeks. He gets the same vision on that same chapter. So he's reading Jeremiah. There's going to be a new covenant made. And then everybody says, well, it's going to be an Antichrist making a new covenant instead of the Jews. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's the Antichrist with the Jews. No, Christ came and confirmed the covenant of Jeremiah 31 with the many in salvation. And we look for an Antichrist when it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. We give glory to the devil instead of glory to God. So, whenever we look at this, 490, 70 times 7, Seven sevens are 49. Jesus died, was buried, risen again. He says, there's your forgiveness. There's your forgiveness. So when we have this... So when we have this, we look at, for example, we have the bad servant with his 10,000 talents, unable to pay his debt. How will the Jew pay his debt? Or Judah here pay his debt? As a by sacrifice of animals again? Would we believe that? If it is, then it means the blood of Christ. 
Turn with me to Exodus 19, please. Verse 1. In the, third year, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai, and they pitched the wilderness in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shall thou say unto the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. You can mark that for another study another time. A peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You can mark that too. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all of these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, Ah, all that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the Lord, of the people, unto the Lord. This is known as the chapter where Israel married the Lord. Moses, the officiator of the wedding ceremony, and so they, they are married unto the Lord. Now, I want, to, want you to see how, because they're married, they become then the two kingdoms. We looked at the two sisters, and they committed adultery on their husband, who was God in the Old Testament. Will you turn with me, please, to Galatians chapter 4? Galatians 4. And verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. When we were children, notice we're in bondage under the elements of the world. And he's looking back here. Paul's looking back here. To Israel. How do we know? Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, notice the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the Son to be made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. See? That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Notice verse 4, when the fullness of time was come. Fullness of what time? Fullness of what time? Do you ever think of that? Is it just God had a, a figure in his head? The fullness of the 70 weeks. It's fulfilled. The fullness of time, Jesus came and bled and died. God, he came to redeem them that were under the law. It's all done. It's all fulfilled. It's the fullness of time. So in Exodus 19, we looked at God is married unto Israel. They sin. The northern kingdom, they're separated into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom's taken away. He divorces them. And he scatters, or pardon me, he, he leads Judah, the southern kingdom, into captivity, releases them because that's our story of the two servants. He releases them back again. Notice this. Turn with me to, there's there. Turn with me to the book of Hosea. Yeah, where's it there? Couldn't find it there. Book of Hosea. So, who is who is Hosea speaking to? The book of Hosea. Obviously, it's speaking to us, but what's it speaking of then? It's speaking of a relationship, a marriage contract between God and Israel. 
Hosea is a type of God, the Father. Israel is a type, is, or pardon me, Gomer, the wife of Hosea, is Israel. Let's look at Hosea for a moment. Um, the word of the Lord, chapter 1, the word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Notice the two kingdoms there. Can you see that? King of Judah and the days of the kings of Israel. So there's two kingdoms here still. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea and the great whoredom departing. Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, the children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. So they're the Lord's people, for they have departed from the Lord. Who is it? This is the northern kingdom of Israel he's speaking to, not to Judah in the south. Okay? So he went unto Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. I'm going to cause it to cease. And it came to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name Loruhama. Notice, for I will have... I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. So now he's going to say he's going to cause it to cease. He's going to cause it to be taken away. And verse 7, but I will have mercy upon where? The house of Judah. The southern kingdom. And the house of Israel get taken away. They're taken away. But the house of Judah in the south. They're the ones who go into Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel in the land's den, and all of that. And they then come out to rebuild. And that's the man and the two men in the parable we're reading in Matthew 18. The, the bad servant is the house of Judah because he gets hard-hearted. By the time Jesus comes, uh, their religion is mixed with 613 commandments. Mixed with Edomites and all us who were forced conversion. Not true uh, Judahites are true Jews. And verse 7 says, I'll have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bone or sword nor by battle nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Loruhama, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, call his name Lo-Ami. For ye are not my people and I will not be your God. God says that to the northern kingdom. You're not my people anymore, and I'm not your God. And he scatters them. Yet the number of the children of Israel, notice I'm going to scatter you, but you're going to keep growing. The number of the children of Israel, which shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where I said unto them, you are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, them, ye are the sons of God. So God says, I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to finish you. But there's going to be a time when you're called sons of God to the northern kingdom. How did that happen? When did that happen? And where did that happen? Well, in John chapter 1, we're told of it. Notice what he says, first of all, Hosea 1, at the end of verse 10, there, where it said unto them, you are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. John chapter 1, let your eye run down, to verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Who was that? The Jews. <laughs> the, the remnant of Judah. The ones we're talking about. The, the, the other son. The, the, the son that rejected him. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, to them that believe in his name. That is out of that people, and all others like us which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Notice, but as many as received him, to them give he power to become what? The sons of God. And Hosea, he tells them, you're not my people, you're not my sons, but there will be a time when you will be again. How does that happen? Because he's married to these people. He divorces the northern kingdom, but he never divorced the south, the southern kingdom. Go with me to chapter 2 just. 
Say ye unto your brethren, and me, and to your sisters, Ruhama, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife. He's casting her out. He's kicking her out of the house, out of Canaan land. She is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore, let, let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight, and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst, and will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. Now, when you let your eye run down, just for time's sake, the verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and bring her into the wilderness, speak comfortably unto her. So then where's the wilderness? That's their scattering and their gathering. That's to go up through the Caucasus Mountains and across the nations into Europe. The wilderness is the water. Revelation chapter 12 talks about the woman in the wilderness. This is who it is. The woman in the wilderness. Notice, and I will speak comfortably. I'll allure her. Bring her into the wilderness. I will speak comfortably unto her. What are the comfortable words that went forth from the Lord? The gospel of salvation by grace in Christ alone. Look at verse 16, just for time's sake. So be it that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishai, and thou shalt no more be called Balai. So the word here for Balai is where we get the word Baal from. It means Lord. Lord of the flies for the devil and all that sort of stuff. But they're saying, you're not no more going to call me this because they're, they're away, they're estranged, and they, they hate him. They're accursed. And notice here, Ishai means man or husband. There's going to come a time I'm re-betrothed to you to be your husband. Now can I ask you, who is it that's re-betrothed to Christ or to be the husband? It's you and I. That's right, run on down to verse 18. And in that day I will make a covenant with them. What covenant is that? It's the covenant Jeremiah speaks of in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. Hebrews chapter 8. Chapter 9 is mentioned in 10. The Lord Jesus takes the bread and breaks it, and it's a new covenant. It's the covenant of blood, the blood of the everlasting covenant. Verse 19, notice, and I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in what? Righteousness. How, how can we be righteous outside of Christ? We can't. So it means that Jesus is coming. Christ will come to redeem us, to re-betroth us, as it were, to God. And in judgment, and in loving kindness, and in mercies, I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. How do we know the Lord outside of Christ? We can't. Okay, look at verse 23 for time's sake, Justin. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, scattered like seed in the earth, and will not have mercy upon her that have not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them, which were not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say, thou art my God. Okay. So we're digging deeper this, this evening, aren't we? Stretching your minds a little, getting you to think a bit more out of your box. Let me go on a bit more, and we'll close, okay? Just a little bit more. When we look at this, we see that so the Lord's speaking to the northern kingdom and they are divorced from God. Jesus in Matthew 18 is speaking to those who are of Jewry, that remnant of Judah that are in the Holy Land at that time, around Jerusalem at that time, Judea. Here he's remembering these ones out of Hosea, who says, I'm going to read the truth. How does that happen? He dies. To re betroth. Okay. He dies to re betroth. Okay. In our 
In our reading, Matthew 18, please. Matthew 18. At some point, read Peter's epistles. Peter speaks of you being a a peculiar people, doesn't he? Jesus tells a parable of a man who finds a treasure in the earth, doesn't he? And he gives all that he has, he may redeem the treasure. What is that treasure? From Exodus chapter 19. Israel scattered in the earth, regathered in the earth. It's a treasure. He mentions about, the, and I'll teach more on it in some other time, of the, the, the pearl of great price. You and I call Jesus the pearl of great price, but really that's, and he is to, that to us, but that's not what that means. The pearl of great price is the church. Here's the thing, a man gives all that he has to buy the pearl. Did you give everything that you had to get Jesus? No. What did you give to get Jesus? Nothing. Rather, he gave all to get you. How is a pearl formed? A pearl is formed in the oyster's wound. The wound of an oyster starts to form the pearl. How was the church formed? In the wounds of Christ. So you can see the Old Testament being brought into the New then, can't you? Okay. Trying to find a place to stop, so I'm, I'm maybe doing another week next week. I'm not sure if I want to tax your brains any more than this. Okay, stay with me. I, I won't close. <coughs> the tyrant, the man in Matthew 18, who's forgiven and he's released, goes out and grabs a man by the throat. And what Jesus is showing them here is the hard-heartedness of jury. The aggression against Christ and his kingdom and his servants. The unforgiving heart outside of their commandment keeping for salvation. They think themselves to be more righteous than the other. How do we know? Well, all we need to do is remember last week, um, uh, pardon me, two weeks ago, there was the prodigal son. Remember, he's the northern kingdom. There's the eldest brother. He's the southern kingdom. The prodigal son goes into where? The far country. Spends all this money on radish living. That's them all. That's the kingdom all separated and uh, uh, living like heathens and redeemed by the blood. They're brought back like this wife brought back in again. And the, young, the prodigal comes down. The father welcomes him in and there's rejoicing in the house. Angry one. The older brother comes and he's raging, isn't he? It's the same one here. He's the angry one. The father says, you had everything. You had the temple, you had the scrolls, you had all of this. You had the sacrifices. So here it's the, the hard-heartedness that's being shown here. And the rich man and Lazarus was last week. Lazarus again represented the northern kingdom. They were taken just outside of Canaan land by the Assyrians. And Judah, the Jews, they were living it up with the temple and the riches and the wealth and all of this, the scrolls and the Torah. They had all of this. And here with the dogs or those non-Israelites, the house of Israel were with them, looking in at their own brethren who were living this way, not thinking about them. And whenever the rich man dies, it says, and being in torments, isn't that right? Remember, that it's, we'll finish with the, the torments of the Jews throughout all the years and all the time, all the countries. and They went through a hell, didn't they? Well, here we have it the same. This man, Matthew 18. And let's just go now to verse 32. Then his Lord after that he had called him, said unto him, O thy wicked servant, notice, I forgiveth thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant and had, as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay him all that was due to him. And what happened? They were carried away. There was a million of them murdered, crucified. 
they were taken away by Titus. We can look at this in the spiritual one-to-one context. Are you not forgiving? And, and the Lord's saying, you know, you, I forgive you, you should forgive others. And that's absolutely what we should do. But this is the actual, this is the background of this, this, these parables. They're all kingdom parables. And we look now, as the rich man was last week, so this wicked steward is this week. You don't go to hell for being rich and you don't go to heaven for being poor, so you don't. Notice, and his Lord was wroth, verse 34, wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. The the idea of this can also go right through if you take it till today. There are those who say there are Jews and are not, but the synagogue of Satan. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 9 and Revelation chapter 3 and verse 9 says that. What does that mean? Like a polycarp, for example, when he was a student of John who writes the, the book of Revelation, he was one of his students. And when polycarp was going to be uh, 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 murdered, it was said there were those who were Jews who professed salvation. But when it came to it, they actually came and got the, the, the wood for the, the, for the power to throw it on to be able to burn Polycarp. The writings of Irenaeus uh, um, was his student. He, he writes in this uh, on the martyr of Polycarp. They changed. They, they started throwing the wood on. They were saving their own skin. There are those right through to today. We look at the banking systems where we look at those who say they're Jews and they're not. And how they hold them captive like this man, holding us by the throat by debt usury. You know what he says? Pay me that thou owest, he said to the man. Pay me that thou owest. And that's what's happening even today. Pay me that thou owest. So now you can see the Old Testament key of 1 Kings 11 and 12. You can turn it in you can see when you get this key. It opens up all the parables to you. The real depth of meaning to them. Now when you're going and you're going to tell someone about uh, their need of salvation. That you must be saved. and all, There's no problem in doing that. That's, the, that's an application of it. You know. You need to be saved or you're, you're going to hell. Or you need to be saved. There's a lake of fire. You need to be there's no problem in that. That's an application. But the kingdom message is the interpretation of it. Same with rich man and Lazarus. Same with this one. You better forgive. You'll not be forgiven. Same with the prodigal son. You're a backslider. Come home. Come home. All of them are applications that can be put on this. But those are the interpretations of it. I might do one more week. We'll see. I want to maybe give your brain a wee bit of a rest and uh, see, see how we get on with it. Lord bless us all tonight. Thank you for your attention.